Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast series for product management and product marketing professionals. I'm Lisa Sork Friedman, and I'm here with Rebecca Caligeris, Pragmatic Marketing's Vice President of Marketing. Today, we're discussing the content strategy at Pragmatic Marketing and why, at a company that trains product professionals, we care so much about content. Thanks for joining us today, Rebecca, to talk about content creation, which is something that's near and dear to my heart because <laughs> I work on this with you. Absolutely. It's definitely something we're both passionate about, and I am happy to be here talking about it today. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is um, to discuss our overall strategy, how we do our best to get the most uh, out of each piece of content and you know, reach the most people, and, um, and talk a little bit about our, our focus. Absolutely. You know, over the last five, 10 years, content marketing in general has gotten to be uh, a much bigger part of, of most marketing plans. I think, though, here at Pragmatic Marketing, it plays an even more critical role in our strategy. As training company, what we do really is sell our expertise, right? You need to, to know and believe that we are the authority in product management and product marketing if you are going to trust us to teach your team how to do it. Um, so our credibility in that space is really important. So our thought leadership is really designed to underscore that position of authority um, and to provide some really helpful tools and tips for people to use. So it's, you know, again, content marketing, inbound marketing is a, is very common and very popular part of most people's strategy. I think when you're selling your thoughts, your expertise, it's even more critical. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I know one of the things I liked about the company when, you know, before I started and I was looking through the content is just that nothing is self-serving. Nothing talks pragmatic marketing, you know, by us. It's more, here are tips and tricks. Here's actionable information that you will find valuable. And we work with subject matter experts in, in um, product management and product marketing to help us achieve those goals. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your vision for that and how we, we got to that point? Sure. And, and I, I, I agree with your assessment of where we are. And I think one of the things that sometimes the best marketing is that that's the least obvious, right? That you don't even know you're being marketed to. We don't you know, um, overtly talk about our courses within the articles. We don't go, if you want, you know, we don't give you half the story and then make you go to the course to figure out what happens next. It's not that kind of thing. But what we are doing is, is continually teaching people about what it means to be good product management and product marketing people and giving them stories of people who have taken our courses and done it successfully, seen it in the real field. So we're telling them, um, we are reinforcing what it is that we do, and then we're giving them some real-life, almost testimonials of its success, but it's done in such a way that it doesn't feel that way. And yet we continually see that it works that way, that you know, people stumble upon us from a Google uh, search. They come and they subscribe to our magazine and our newsletters because they like the, the tools that they find, and then they come and do a training course. I mean, it's a very typical progression. It's just done maybe less overtly uh, than a lot of people think. And, and, and I think, um, but that is the goal, right? Because while it's about thought leadership and we certainly, and I know you and I have talked about this, we're, we're really passionate about helping the industry um, in general, even outside of our training courses. But that being said, at the end of the day, everything we do in marketing, all of the thought leadership we do is designed to, to bring us revenue in the long run. So you don't want to lose complete sight of that um, and go too altruistic, but it's finding the balance of the two. And I, and I think we do a really good job. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so we've talked a little bit about our content marketing strategy a little bit, um, and maybe just a little bit about our focus as well. So what about some of the vehicles we use, you know, some of the uh, formats? Sure. So I think if I was going to have the listeners think of one thing or one big takeaway from this, one of the things I would say that I am very proud of us for doing is early on when we started, we did a big campaign uh, and a calling campaign to reach out to the market, reach out to some of our subscribers, some people who didn't, and um, some some wider swath of people and really talk to them about how they liked to receive information, how they like to learn about their careers, right? So this really uncovered for us the avenues that our market found the most important, right? This is where we discovered that 65% of our audience was passionate about webinars so that they really liked that learning or that because they traveled so much that they've really um, adopted podcasts, that they liked to be able to read on their tablets. So all of this helped us understand how we needed to deliver the pieces. And that's why, you know, we do the monthly webinars and the weekly podcasts. And then we do a, a full magazine that's delivered digitally and, and interactive, but we also have a print version of the magazine because there are, we found different segments um, of our market, preferred print versus digital. So it's really, we used the market context that we gathered from those conversations to really drive the different types of avenues that we use. Mm -hmm. The other thing, um, and I know you hear me say this all the time, is that we're very passionate about getting the most out of what we do. It's a pretty lean team here, right? There's four of you working super hard to keep all of our engines going. We don't really use outside agencies. Um, and so everything we do, we have to make sure that we get the most out of it. So that means, you know, if we can do a webinar and then turn that webinar into a blog post and then interview the, um, the guests we had on the webinar for a podcast based on some of the questions that we got from attendees, that allows us to just keep leveraging that same information and really um, get the most out of it in terms of touches, but also then to reach the widest audience as we get to reach people in sort of the, the native way they like to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and um, a few of the things that have been interesting to me in the two years that I've been here is just to watch the, the webinar, um, the numbers go up and up and up with each each uh, month. And then I know we've really stepped up our game on the blog post where we made a conscious effort to um, add new content at least once a week. And then we started our podcast and that is growing. You know, it's, um, it's a work in progress. And um, so we have really added a lot of things. Each thing has gained its own traction. And it's been kind of exciting to, to watch that, you know, particularly with the webinar and the blog, because they have a, a longer track record than the podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a really good point, too, Lisa, because I think we have different lessons learned from each one of those, right? If we think um, about the podcast, for instance, right? So we, we launched the, the podcast in October. And I think it's a great example of, of being a bit more agile, right? This was not an area that we all, any of us had a ton of experience in. Um, and so you could overthink that. And we did overthink it for a while before we launched it, right? And then it was kind of like, you know what, we're, we're just going to do it. We're just going to start and then we'll just keep iterating and making it better and better. And, and uh, we're working hard to do that. But I think that's an important part of, of everyone's content strategy. It's easy to go, well, I will do that once we figure out the optimal way to record this. And I'll do this, but after I do, and you just never start. And I think the podcast was a great example. And we've managed to get traction and, and our, you know, our audience, we can then 
test what works and doesn't work, get feedback from them and continue to improve. So I think that was a big lesson for the podcast. And I think, Lisa, you've done a great job with the blog because the blog is a great opportunity to be a little bit more active and timely with content, right? You can, you can use a more casual voice. You can do more um, sort of current event related items, but, but it requires a whole different level of turnaround time and a whole different level. You have to make a promise to your audience that you're going to post two times a week or three times a week, whatever it's going to be. And getting that stable of things with all of the other stuff that we have coming on and the last minute projects is really hard. And, and what I think you did so brilliantly was just build up a, a really good stable of authors that contribute here. So we have our own materials that we post on there that you or I create. We have posts from a bunch of our instructors that go on there. And then you've really brought together some great industry thought leaders who who send in posts on a, on a fairly regular basis. And that allows us to, to get different viewpoints and to regularly deliver content without just relying on you and, and weighing you down with those items when we also have so many other things to, to kind of juggle and do. Right. Well, it has been a lot of fun to work on that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, we see the results. We were looking at this just last week, right? With the 45% year over year increase of the blogs, you know, it, you build it and you deliver consistently and you've made a promise to them. You, you definitely see an increase in, in traffic, which of course is what you want to see. Right. Well, and one of the, another thing is just um, to talk about is the promotion. You know, how do we, make people aware of the different types of content. And I think that's something that we actually do a pretty good job of. So for example, you know, we, we would have podcasts and post them on the blog. And, and I know we send out a, a newsletter for the magazine and talk a little bit more about all the different things that we do for promotion and distribution. You know, they kind of feed off themselves. Absolutely. One of my favorite stories in this, I remember working with uh, Sarah and, and we were getting ready for a webinar and we had, I don't know, just like 48 attendees or something. And then the next day we were all excited because we'd gotten up to 987 and it was still climbing. And, and I think it was Norman, our designer was like, oh my gosh, well, how did you do this? And Sarah's like, well, you know, we told people about it <laughs> <laughs> because it really doesn't matter what kind of content you have if you don't tell people how to get there and do it to them. And in this case, what we done was a, was an email out to all the people who had subscribed to learn about our webinars. But you know, it's amazing when you tell people it's there, how, how much influence that can have. <laughs> whether they right. Come, right. And I think that that's the, that's the key. You have to let people know. And, and again, with that sort of multi-prong approach of our content, you can also use each of those channels to promote the other, right? So you certainly use your social channels to, to promote that you've got the webinar, but you can use, you know, pre-roll on your webinar or post things to, to send them to a, um, to show them a new video. You could send them to a new ebook. You need to use your materials sort of to cross promote the item. Okay. One thing I'd really like to talk about with you are just some of the challenges that, that we face in creating content, in promoting content, you know, how we decide what sort of content we want to put out there. We've talked about that a little bit, but for example, what to leverage and reuse. You know, you and I have had some conversations about evergreen content, for example. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the ultimate goal for everyone, right, is to read is to create content that has great legs and, and never goes out of style and is, is never going to be outdated. And that's, 
I'm not sure that's fully possible, but but that is generally the idea. And we're very fortunate here at Pragmatic Marketing. I, I think from talking to our customers, one of the things they often struggle with in terms of content marketing is they don't know what to write about, right? What am I going to write about? How, we, you know, we have 37 boxes. We could we could probably from you know do a blog, a webinar, and a podcast every month on just one of them for the whole year, right? So we have a whole lot of um, opportunities and we have a whole lot of topics we can go after and we regularly get feedback on our from our audience about those topics which are most important to them so i think that that um we're fortunate in that way with the sort of breadth of conversations and topics we have yes yeah that's very true um i know one thing you and i have talked a lot about is just the importance of vetting content early on you know to um, make sure that we have the the right story for our audience, you know, and the challenges of doing that. Um, <laughs> so sometimes it doesn't always work out the way we hope it will. No, and it feels like, you know, sometimes if you get 25 submissions for content in at once, it's really easy to be like, well, I'll take these 17 and I won't do these eight, right? But they don't come in all at once like that. They come in one at a time. And, and um, you know, you're we're, we're so fortunate to have so many people want to write and work with us. Uh, so many of those people are alumni and fans. It You know, it, it, I think it hurts both you and I to say no to them. Um, and yes. so sometimes we've, we've, we've done it, right? We've over-invested in something to try to make it into something we can use because we just didn't want to say no. And I, I think we've gotten better at let's take stock of it before we touch it, before we invest our own time to perfect it and go, okay, is this something that's got, you know, enough content of original thinking there that we could use? Um, and if so, great. Now, is it ready for us to polish or do we need to send it back to them? And that's something we've worked on getting better at, right? Yes. This is a great piece, but if we're going to use it, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Or I need more examples. And that's important because if they can then flip that back to us, then we can evaluate it. And we've got to do that before we spend the time to edit it internally. Otherwise, you know, we we invest hours, they invest hours. And at the end of the day, we don't have um, a good article. Right. Or a good piece. And, I, and, you know, we have to be careful too. We have – people have great intentions as well, but – Everybody who writes for us, most of them, that's not their job, right? They're doing this on the side, and sometimes their real life gets in the way. So they may say, hey, Lisa, I'm going to give you this article for the magazine, and I have no problem hitting the date. And then they go dark. We don't hear from them. They go away, <laughs> right? And we're like, but but the magazine is coming. And, and it's never you know, a bad intention kind of thing, but that leaves us scrambling to fill the hole, which you've done brilliantly in the past when it's happened. But, you know, you kind of always have to be looking, making sure they are communicating along the way, because that can really help us know whether they're going to come through in the, in the end right. or not. Yes. Well, I, I just love the expression, expect the unexpected, you know, because when you do that, you're okay. You and know, there's always something in every that's issue, true. right? Oh, yes. Uh, keeps us It keeps it all interesting. Yeah, it certainly does. Well, one other thing I want to touch on is just metrics. And, you know, we this is another thing that we've talked a lot about, but how do we know when something's working? I know we're fortunate to have a lot of anecdotal evidence, which really goes a long way with us. But um, tell me about some of your observations. Yeah, I think everyone in marketing, uh, it's the age-old thing, right? How do I show my return on investment? And you can never 
do it perfectly. And like you said, we get lots of great feedback. We get, uh, we talk to our, our market so regularly and we hear lots of good things. Um, like everyone else too, we can see some top line metrics, how many times a page was read or how many times something was forwarded or opened or mentioned. Um, we, you know, it's, it's definitely tough for us to tie that all back into, to, you know, what kind of dollars it delivered. Um, I know we're working on some software changes on our side that will hopefully do that. Um, but you know, sometimes in the, in the absence of great quantitative information, you just try and really pound home as much qualitative data as you can get and do the best that you can. Right. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, we've got to talk about actionable items, takeaways for our listeners, because we are nothing if not pragmatic marketing. Yeah. So if I was going to say two things that I wanted them to, to remember from this, one is to get started, right? That stop, don't wait, don't make wait for perfection, right? One of my favorite things we ran in the magazine was an article from our, from a big alumni fan of ours, Frank Tate. And that starts with this spectrum, right? This line. And on one side of the line is wrong. And the other side of the line, it's perfect. And, and basically mm-hmm. the point was you plot where you need to be, right? And, and most of us tend to go to the right side, right? Towards that end of where there's perfection, but really if it's not wrong, it's right. So don't overthink it. Just get started. Publish that first blog post. Schedule your first podcast recording. Go ahead and put something on. There's a certain amount of learning on the job yes. <laughs> right? that you just need to do. Um, and the second thing is that really important to talk to your market, right? They're going to tell you how they want to receive information, what format they like to get in. They're going to tell you the topics they care about. You don't have to make this up. You don't have to, you know, use a divining stick to try to find it. They will tell you. And then that makes everything easy. You don't have to worry like, will this be a popular topic? Will people show up? You know they will because they've told you that that's something they're interested in. So those are the two things. Get started. Talk to your market. Sounds good. Thanks for joining me today, Rebecca. It's always fun to talk about content and especially at Pragmatic Marketing. Thank you, Lisa. (laughs) All right. Take care now. Bye. Bye. You can check out the results of our content strategy on our website, pragmaticmarketing.com. We've got articles, webinars, eBooks, and white papers to help you become more market-driven. And be sure to register for one of our courses too.